All right, good evening, everyone. It's good to be with you again this evening. God bless you for coming to church. Greetings in the name of Jesus. It's good to see all of you here on this Saturday evening. And uh, I don't know if you're tired of going to church yet this week, but um, we are drawing on towards the end. Tomorrow is the last day of this uh, series of revival meetings, and as uh, we we have grown to appreciate you folks and love you, dear people. Uh, tomorrow evening, when the service is over, we're we're planning to go home. <laughs> so, um, I was talking about hey, there's a house for sale. We could settle in Southern Virginia, you know, but. I think we'll go back to Pennsylvania where we came from and pick up life there as it was, but we will definitely uh, have very fond memories of you. You, uh, <clears throat> you are a very uh, warm and welcoming group of people. We have had a lot of opportunities to sit at your tables and eat your food, and there are many of you that are very good cooks. In fact, I haven't had anything in any of your houses that wasn't good to eat. It's all been good stuff. And so we have appreciated that. I believe you are also a church. This is not, it's not really my job to come here and analyze your church or anything, but um, there is a dynamic, there is a dynamic life here among you. And you are people who sincerely know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it has been a real blessing to fellowship together. And so uh, I, I commend you for that. Uh, it's just been a real delight to fellowship around the things of God, and uh, we will remember you well as we go back to Reading. But uh, this sermon tonight, um, the, the title of the message is The Rescue of My Soul. And it's, I don't want to say it's an advertisement, but it could almost be looked at as an advertisement of what the Lord does in a person's life when they are saved, when they give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is something that happens that is it's, it's just amazing, and it is marvelous, and it is life-changing, and it is something uh, that I believe tonight any person, I don't think there's a person on earth, in fact, I know there's not, that wouldn't benefit greatly from knowing Jesus Christ. Their life would be so greatly enhanced. That goes right along with our brother's devotional tonight. Sometimes we feel like if we give something up in our relationship with God, and he's calling us to give up, we somehow think that we're going to lose. But the truth is that every step of progress in the Christian life is it's good and it's a blessing. And it's an enhancement of your life. You do not ever lose when you grow in your spiritual life. You always win as you move forward. And as you grow deeper in your relationship with God, you always win. And so don't hold back. If the Lord wants to do something in your life, just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will go along with that. I will cooperate with that. I will allow that because it will only be to your benefit. And so the rescue of my soul tonight is a deeply personal subject. Probably every one of us here tonight, there is no two of us 
that have an identical story of how the Lord rescued us. We need to recognize tonight in this whole subject or this whole concept of, of the rescue of God that we, without Jesus, are just hopelessly, hopelessly lost. Okay? And it doesn't matter what family you come from. Some of you come from really nice family. I've been, I've been walking around Brother Nathan's house, looking at his walls, and I see all these lovely pictures, big pictures on his walls of his beautiful family and various stages of growth and maturity. And I think well, these, these young people, these children, had a great opportunity of growing up in a godly home. What a blessing. And many of you are here this evening as full-grown adults. Some of you are even getting gray hair. And we've sat at your tables and ate dinners with you. And we see that you have progressed to where you are today. Um, But it it doesn't matter how wonderful your family is. And it doesn't matter how excellent your background is. Maybe you can look back through the generations and see all of the generations of faithfulness behind you. And you think, I've got a great heritage. And that's a blessing got to recognize it for what it is. But I tell you what, outside of Jesus, all of that is absolutely nothing. It is worthless. It does not get you there. Um, How many people are going to have to stand before God someday and say, but God, my last name is Martin. It's not going to make a difference. Or or, my father was a preacher. He was a minister. And God's going to say, that that doesn't matter. Um, I, I was such a good person. I was raised in such a godly home. And It's not going to matter. What is going to matter is that you had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You repented of your sins. You turned your back on your own life and you took on his life and you you served him faithfully. That's where it is. It's not any of those other things that we were mentioning. And so tonight it is essentially important that we recognize the need of being rescued by God, okay? And that he is the only one who can save and that we appreciate that. So this evening, the circumstances surrounding the rescue of your soul are unique to you and mine are unique to me. I got an opportunity to share with a few of you about a little bit of our spiritual pilgrimage and journey in this life, and I'm not going to really go into that tonight. But uh, the result or the reality is the same for all of us. Some people, and I'll get to the scriptures in a few minutes here, but uh, some people it seems like were they ever lost? <laughs> you, you know, these children grew up in a Christian family. They were taught, they were trained, they were loved, and it was almost like they went from innocence into salvation and it really wasn't you know where was the moment I personally cannot point to the day or the moment of my salvation I can't I can't do that maybe you can't either but there is a time in your life that the Lord worked in you transformed you changed you rescued you and so you are what you are today by the grace of God and so we have opened our life to him we have confessed our sins to him We have sought his forgiveness and his cleansing. We've invited his spirit to work in and transform our hearts and our lives. We've committed ourselves to Jesus Christ. 
We've grown by his grace into the person we are today. These are general statements about how you become the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. We anticipate, even today, his continued work in us, on us, and through us until he is finished with us here. You know, some of you here, some of you have been at it a long time. You've been plugging away for a long time. You've been serving the Lord for a long time. Some of you are just getting started, and it's a long, long journey ahead for you, perhaps. But we anticipate, even the oldest person here tonight can anticipate the continued working of God in your life, changing you, perfecting you, and making you what you ought to be. We trust in his promises that he will receive us unto himself and that in eternity, where he is, there we will be also. Okay? We believe that here tonight. These truths and experiences are pretty universal among the children of God, okay? Those are general statements. These are things that happen in Christians' lives. These are the things that they believe. This is the, this is the path that they take. But uh, tonight, personally, I can hardly believe, when I look back at my life, I can hardly believe, except for the fact that, it, that God is able to do just about anything, I can hardly believe that I'm here tonight. I can hardly believe that I'm standing here tonight. Maybe I, maybe I told you this earlier, but if you'd have told me this would be a possibility when I was a young man, I'd have said, forget it. I'd have said, no way. And so I look back and I say, I can't hardly believe where God has taken me. I don't know if you look at it that way or not, but you know what? You could have turned out, you could have turned out so much different than you did. You could be a totally different person than you are today. In fact, there have been people that were brought up and raised in the same setting that you are in that, are, that have walked away from God. And they're not serving God today. But for some reason, you're here. For some reason, God's grace became real in your life, and you're you're still hanging in there. You're still here. I tell you, the flesh will take you away from God. The world will take you away from God. The devil certainly wants to take you away from God if you allow it. And every one of us had that potential in our lives. We have that potential in our lives right now, and we will continue to have that possibility in our lives as we go on. And so every day, every day, I have to commit myself to Jesus every day. Because any day, I don't, I don't think we're always walking a tightrope that if we just get off one side or the other, we're going we're gonna to lose out. But I do believe we need to remain faithful. And it takes a decision to do that. And so I'm not sure why I am here, but it's by God's grace. I can, I can talk with the, the Apostle Paul. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And tonight, by the grace of God, you are what you are. And keep on going. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't deviate to the right hand or to the left. Keep on walking the straight a narrow path. The word rescue tonight indicates a crisis, a peril, imminent danger, potential catastrophe, a helpless and hopeless condition. 
this rescue that we're talking about tonight starts out with a lost person living in sin, bound for hell, no help within, needing help from without. Someone had to rescue or we would perish. Do we have that understanding tonight? That it's not because I'm a good person. It's not because I'm better than anyone else. It's because the Lord rescued you. He rescued you. And if he wouldn't have, you would be lost. That's just the, that's the bottom line. And so what does that do in your heart? It should, it should just, you just open your, your heart and your life to God and say, God, you have been so kind. You have been so good. You've been so gracious. And I'm not sure why I'm so blessed. Okay? That ought to be every attitude in this building tonight. Why me? I don't know. But praise God. I'm one of his. Let's turn in our Bible tonight to 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 1 to 9. We're going to look at the rescue of our soul this evening. And there's going to be a number of things that we see here. <clears throat> All the points in the message tonight start with the word change. Okay, so get ready to write in your notes, if you're a note taker, change. It's all going to be about change. 1 Peter 1, 1 to 9, we're going to start with verses 1 and 2. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied, and so here we have a very simple greeting from Peter to his readers. He lists in this greeting three great purposes for which a person is saved. Now, I, I don't know if you're a, a Bible study person, a Bible student, that you would actually be able to look at this and say, okay, there are three purposes by which or for which a person is saved. The reason for salvation points back to God himself. Okay, now we live in a, in a strongly evangelical society, which doesn't sound all bad, but the preaching that goes out on out there in many churches today is that salvation is all about you. And maybe you think that tonight. Maybe you would agree with that tonight, that God's universe, in the middle of God's universe is you. You're in the middle of God's universe, and he... He really, he just wants you to be saved. That's what it's all about. He just wants you to be saved. The truth is, salvation points back to God himself. We are not saved just for ourselves, but we are saved for God. In, in other words, it's not just because you get something out of salvation. It's because God gets something out of your salvation. And he is, he is redeeming people, and he is saving people, and he is working in people. He's drawing people because God receives much praise and much honor and much glory and much pleasure out of people who love him and worship him and serve him. And so it's God. The center of our salvation experience and our Christian life needs to be God. 
And many people have that turned around. They somehow think God is up there as the benevolent, just giver and hander out of blessings, okay? He's just up there, and, and it's all about me. He just wants me to be a happy person. He just wants me to be a successful person. He wants me to have all the things I want to have. He wants me to have the life that I want to live. And so it's all, you know, God is up there just for my benefit. And that's not what it's about. The truth is that God created all things for his own pleasure and for his own glory. And so when people are saved, you know what happens? They actually are put into a condition that actually brings God pleasure. And so the people of God are unique in this world. Do you think the sinful people in this society that have no concern for God, do you think they bring in much pleasure? What do you think? No. And so to him, they are not functioning the way he created them to function. And he's not, he, they're not functioning the way he wants them to function. They are not doing what God created them to do. They are not giving him any praise, any pleasure, any honor, or any glory. And so they're not fulfilling his purpose for them. But when people are saved, all of a sudden something comes on inside of them. They are born again. They are changed. They are transformed. They're made into a new person. And then all of a sudden, our whole life changes. And instead of me being focused on myself, and instead of my life being entirely about me, now my life is about God. And how I can glorify him. How I can praise him. How I can worship him. How I can serve him. How can I give my God pleasure? And tonight, let me tell you something, if your life is not about what you can do to bring God pleasure, then your focus is not what it ought to be, because that's why we're here. We're here to bring God pleasure. And so, do you praise him? Do you talk to him? Do you worship him? Do you glorify him? Do you think about him when you're making decisions? Do you include him in the decision-making process? This is the way we are going to live our lives. We're going to live our lives in such a way that brings praise and glory and honor to God. We're going to spend our money in such a way that it brings praise, glory, and honor to God. We're going to build his kingdom with our resources here in this world because that brings praise, honor, and glory to God. We need to include him in our decisions. God, how can we glorify you in this situation? How can we praise you even though things are going badly? How can we, how can we give to your glory and kingdom even though our finances are in pretty rough shape right now? How can we glorify you? That's what we're about. That's why he redeemed us. That's why he saved us. So that we would give him praise and pleasure and glory. And so I said more than I intended to already. But the three things that it says here, um, the three purposes of salvation or the three goals of salvation, first of all is sanctification. Sanctification is the setting apart of a man or a woman for God to grow into his image in holiness that he or she be able to relate to God. People that are saved can relate to God. People that are saved can talk to God. They can have a relationship with God, sanctified, set apart for him, and then represent God in a fallen world, and we talked about that before this week. And so the second purpose, okay, first of all, we have sanctification. The second one is obedience. Our brother already alluded to this tonight, but <clears throat> obedience is proof 
of faith in God. Okay? And you can read the book of James. You can read other places in Scripture where it makes it clear that obedience is proof of faith in God. If a person says they have faith in God, but then they go and do their own thing and don't care what God says about anything, what does that prove? That proves their faith is really absent. They don't have faith. Faith is proven by obedience. And so we are saved to be obedient to God. And that brings glory to God when we are obedient. And then the third thing it talks about is sprinkling. Sprinkling, this is the forgiveness of sins. It puts us in a right relationship with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So three things that are attached to or purposes of salvation. Let's move on to verse 3. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, somebody shared here this week from John chapter 3. <clears throat> we recognize John chapter 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so here he talks about being begotten. He hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. That is talking about being born again. Okay? Being born again. And uh, being born again tonight is the most wonderful thing that will ever happen to a human being in this world. Amen. To be born again. To have, to have a completely new person created inside of you that wasn't there before. That is being born again. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of my own mind. I can't make it happen. It's not a, it's not a work of my own will. I'm going to just will it to be. No, it's a work of the Spirit of God upon a heart. And the way it happens, the way a person is born again, is that they take a heart that is closed to God, and he opens the heart to God and invites God to come in and to work in him. God, come into me by your Spirit and work in me and change me and transform me and make me a new person. And does God say, nah, I'm not interested? Is that how it is? God says, oh, this is a wonderful opportunity. This is what I've been waiting for. I have been waiting for you to open your heart to me to the degree and in a way that I can come in and I can actually do what I want to do with you. And he changes us, transforms us, makes us a different person than we were before. And it is a beautiful thing to be born again. So this change is at the core of our being. Okay, that's the first point this evening. Change at the core of our being. The rescue of your soul tonight involves a change at the core of your being. This change and transformation and regeneration, the new birth, new life, a new creature, all of these terms relate to being born again. This rescue involves a change at our most fundamental level. The person of God joins with our person, creating life where there was only death, igniting a flame where there was coldness and apathy. We are made a new person. And tonight, this 
is rescue. God rescues you in your transformation, being born again. Is God's work, and it's done with our cooperation. And I want us to notice tonight that it was not God's obligation. It was not God's obligation to provide a way of salvation. God was not obligated to do that. But it talks about how do we know it wasn't out of obligation? It says, according to his abundant mercy. Okay? It was because of God's abundant mercy that he provided a way of salvation through the, the death and the suffering of his only begotten son. That was mercy. And so it wasn't out of obligation. Salvation is given by mercy, an undeserved pardon. Notice it produces a lively hope. A lively hope. And you know what? The world is full of hope, but it's not really hope. <laughs> People that play Mega Millions. I don't know if you know anything about that. Sometimes it makes the news because the jackpots get really big and people buy lots of tickets. But you know what they hope? Oh, there's some people that go in there. Maybe they spend their last dollar. I don't know. But bad use of your last dollar, by the way. But they, they go in there just in hope. They just hope that they win. And some people meet a new person and they just hope this person's the right person. I just hope this person treats me right. I hope he loves me or she loves me. I hope. Hope this will change things. You know, a lot of hope in this world is just wishful thinking. It's not based on any reality. But tonight, brothers and sisters, the hope of the Christian is it's got a, a rock-solid foundation. We have hope and it is a confident expectation. We know that God is true to his word. He is true to his promise. He will do exactly what he said. And so the, the foundation of our hope is rock solid. And we build our hope upon it. It is a lively hope. It's not just uh, I, I wish or I, I you know, man, I, I really just hope things work out all right. No, it's not like that. We have a confident expectation that God will do everything that he said he would. So it is a lively hope. And I will add this tonight. Can I add this? A lively hope should translate into people who are lively. Okay? God's people should be lively because of their lively hope. You know, sometimes... It looks like Christians don't have anything. Sometimes they just look like they don't have anything. They're just, you know, their shoulders are a little slumped and they walk around like, really, you know. It isn't all that great, you know. Now, sometimes life isn't all that great. Sometimes things are kind of hard. But I tell you what, even when things aren't that great and life is pretty hard, we still have hope. You know, we, we still have something that we can put our confidence and our faith in. And the truth is, I'll tell you the truth tonight, that if you have hope, the hope that God gives you, 
you can put up with whatever you have to in life. You can put up with it. You can tolerate it because we know, you know, sometimes life seems long. Maybe the days are long. Maybe the nights are long. We don't sleep well. The, the nights are long. The days are long. It looks like, how, am I, how many years am I going to have to suffer like this? But you know what? Life is a vapor. It passes away rather quickly. And some of you are very young, and you look ahead, and you think, well, life will never end. It's going to go on and on and on and on and on and on. And then there's some people here that they look back and say, life was short, 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 short. It's already gone, and here I am. I'm at the threshold of eternity. And, you know, that's where every one of us is going to end up, not too long from now. It's not going to be that long. And so whatever you've got to face in life, we have hope. We have hope, Okay. We, have no, we, don't, we don't have to live in despair because we know that perfection waits. Glory waits. Everything's going to be good and right forever. And so we have a lively hope. Not just wishful thinking, but confident assurance. God is trustworthy. Change at the core of our being, being born again. The next thing we're going to look at is verse 4. It says, to an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, what are we going to talk about here? We have a change of destiny, okay? A change of destiny. This is often promoted as the main reason for salvation. You know what? Let me ask you a question tonight. This is how many people approach evangelism. Okay, how many of you want to spend eternity in hell? You want to go to hell? What's the answer to that? No. No, we don't want to do that. We don't want to, we don't want to burn forever. No, no. Okay, well then, pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm sorry. Okay, Jesus, I'm sorry. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Take away my sins. Take away my sins. Amen. Amen. Okay. Hey, now I tell you what, everything's going to be all right. And then they go, uh, go, go their merry way and keep living in sin, okay? But I'm okay because I said the right words, okay? Said the right words. But a change of destiny, that's often promoted as the reason to be saved. And that is a good reason to be saved, okay? If your salvation is based on a fear of hell, so be it. Probably not a bad motivation to get saved because it's, it's the reality of the matter. But the, the rescue of your soul involves a change in your destiny. You don't have to go to hell, but instead you get to go to heaven. And that is, I would suggest tonight, that is one of the many reasons for salvation. Okay, It's a good one, but it's not the only one. It is a remarkable blessing for the child of God to have that kind of a hope and that kind of a future. Jesus actually made much of this in John 3.16. Those who believe do not need to perish. I mean, that is everyone's favorite salvation verse. Those who believe in Jesus do not need to perish. And that's great news, and it's big news. Because to perish is about the most horrible probably is the most horrible thing that could ever happen to a person, is to perish. 
And so believing in Jesus, we don't need to perish. We have a change in our destiny. And so this is the escape. This is the rescue, if you will, tonight from unimaginable horror. Instead, the believer is promised everlasting life. Okay. And so tonight we are promised, as we have been rescued, we are promised everlasting life. This is a gift of unimaginable perfection and beauty. And would you agree with me tonight? You know, we, we marvel at the generosity of people, okay? If somebody really blesses you with a real gift, sometimes it's amazing the generosity of people. There was a man drove in the driveway over there today at, at Nathan's house. He got out of his truck and put two boxes of citrus in my hands. I thought, that's very generous. That's very thoughtful. That's very kind. Um, and so we measure... We can measure, I'll try not to look at the brother, but we, we measure the generosity by the enormity of the gift. And so we look at the enormity of the gift of salvation and the everlasting life. I mean, I can't even hardly fathom that. I mean, to, to make me happy for a little while would be very kind of God. But he has promised that I'm going to be happy forever. I can hardly believe how generous God is with poor, lost sinners like myself. He says, you're going to be happy forever. How generous. How overwhelmingly generous our God is. And so maybe tonight, I don't know what this message is going to do to you. I don't know what your response is going to be. But I tell you what, I'm just overwhelmed with appreciation to God for how generous he is. That's part of our rescue here tonight. And we notice here something about the gift. It says, to an inheritance that is incorruptible. And I don't want to, I don't want to make it, I don't want to make things in this life look like they're really bad, okay? But but you know what? Everything here is corruptible. You know, I drove some of the roads down here in, in Virginia. And I'll be honest with you. I have seen a lot of junk. I was driving out near Dan Martin's house. I'll tell you what. I hope none of you, I hope I'm not picking on anybody, but I drove by some properties out there where there was just a lot of junk. Lawnmowers. Tractors. Trucks. Cars in every state of decay. <laughs> Just a mess. Now, maybe your property is like that. Mine's a little bit that way, so I can't pick on anybody too bad. I got some, other, I got some junk sitting around. But you know what? That's the, that is the legacy of this world. This world is a corruptible world. Some of you live in nice houses. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I, I, my house isn't very fancy, and the one I'm moving to is even less fancy. And so I go into your house, and some of you really have nice houses. I'll grant you that. Nice new houses. God bless you. You've got a nice place. But I got news for you. It is corruptible, and it's going to decay. And the day is coming that the roof is going to sag. You're going to have to keep maintaining that thing. You're going to have to keep fixing that thing because it's going to come apart. 
It's corruptible. Everything in this world is corruptible. It is all decaying. And so are you investing your whole self and all of your time and all of your energy and all of your life into what is corruptible and decaying? It's all going to be left behind. Or are we investing in the incorruptible like it talks about here? We are given an incorruptible inheritance. And it is undefiled. It says here that it fades not away. And it is reserved. Does it say that? Yeah, it says it's reserved in heaven for you. Now, I don't know how many times you go on a trip. I, I don't know if you go on a lot of trips. I know some people. We have some dear, uh, uh, one particular dear couple at Fairview at our church. It seems they're always going on a trip. They just like to go, go, go. They just always on a trip, always going on a vacation. Some people have a lot of resource. They can spend it very freely on going on a vacation, I guess. But some of the rest of us, we're, you know, got responsibilities, I guess. You know, we got to do what you got to do. But um, they go on a lot of trips. And I don't know if you've ever gone on a trip. And actually, my wife and I had an opportunity a year ago or so. Somebody gave us a um, gift card or gift certificate for a place to go. And we had reservations. It was reserved for us. We pulled in there, and guess what? Nobody else was there. It was all for us. We were able to go in the door. We were able to find the key. They told us where the key was. We turned over the rock or whatever it was, and we got it. Hey, this place is all for us. It's reserved. And you know what? When you get somewhere and you have reservations, it just feels real good. Just walk in there. Oh, you're Mr. Steinrich. Oh, yes, we have a room right here for you. Yes, that's right. It's for you feels nice okay and you know what that's how it is in glory that's how it is in glory he says it is reserved for you in other words when it comes your time now everybody looks at this differently does everybody have a time that God says okay it's time it's time for him gone I don't know if it's that way or not okay some people you know they You know, you could live reckless. You could say, well, you know what? When my time is to go, I'm going to go. So I might as well, you know, whatever. I won't make any suggestions, all right? (laughs) But you know what? If it's not my time to go, I won't go. If it's my time to go, you can't keep it. You can't help it from happening, okay? I think we better just live carefully, okay? Just be wise. Be intelligent. Don't do anything silly. Um, But you know what? There's a moment coming that we're going to step across the line. From this life to that. And in that moment, we will be headed to glory. And I'm believing that when we get there, I'm not sure exactly how it will be because I've never been there. And neither have you. But you know what? Our inheritance is reserved. Okay, it's reserved. There is a place there. And it's your place. I don't know if it has your name on it, but God will at least know who you are. And that is going to be your place. There is going to be a place reserved for you. And he won't have to look through all the, all the documents, and he won't have to go on his computer and, hmm, what's your name again? Uh, click, 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 you know, you know, whatever. Find your spot. He's going to say, okay, yep, you're, I know you. Yep, your place is right over here. It's reserved. You're going to have reservations. And so that is your destiny. We have a change of destiny in our rescue. And we have a reservation. 
Our place is waiting for us. Verse 5 says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Kept by the power of God. That is going to be called a change of provision tonight. Change of provision. You know, sometimes we think we have to do it. There are some situations where you got to just take care of yourself, okay? you got to take care of yourself. There is an organization in the United States called the Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts are supposed to always be prepared. Now, I had a young lady, my, my oldest daughter. Maybe there's somebody like this in your house. Always ready. Always ready for whatever happened. She had the, you know, the, the scissors in her purse. She had the chapstick in her purse. She had the first aid kit in her purse. She had everything that could possibly be needed in any situation. It was in her purse. Now you wonder, you know, maybe she had a, you know, big, big duffel bag she carried around everywhere she went. But it, you know, it fit in her purse. She was ready for everything. She was a good boy scout, but she was a girl. So anyway, uh, we have the idea sometimes that it's up to me. It's up to me. And you know, the truth is tonight, let me tell you something. There is an aspect of you following Jesus... And being faithful, there is something you can do about it. It, it. There is some part of it that is up to you. But, verse 5 here tells us that we are kept by the power of God. And it's like the power of God, if I can explain it this way tonight, the power of God is available to you when you decide to do what God says. Okay? The moment you decide to do what God says, God says, okay, you've got the strength to do it. You've got it. In fact, we are told that there is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. And so tonight, we'll stop right there with that verse, and I will tell you this, and I've had to tell people this lately. People are suffering. People are having emotional problems. People are depressed. People have anxiety panic attacks. People have all kinds of struggles in life. You know what? You're the only one that's ever struggled with this. Is that right? No. You know, there's a lot of people that feel so isolated. They feel so isolated because they don't know that they're not alone. They think they're alone. They think, I'm a crazy person. I'm the only person that has this problem. You know what? It is a great comfort to be able to just know that somebody else has the same problem. Okay? And so if you're here tonight and you feel isolated and you feel like you're the only person that struggles the way you do, forget it. It's not true. It's simply not true. With 7.2 billion people in the world, I can promise you and guarantee you that there are probably millions of people that have the same problem you have. Okay? There might even be people just like you in this church and you don't even know it. I found out some of the struggles I've had in life. There was a brother actually stood up in front of the church and talked about it. I said, wow, brother, I know exactly what you're talking about tonight. And you know what? I found out there were some other people the same way. We all struggle with the same things. There is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. Whatever your problem is tonight, even a temptation to sin is very common. They're all very common. 
So whatever your problem is, it's common. But it says, he goes, he goes beyond that. Yes, you're, it's common, but there is, but God is faithful. He provides a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And so we can never say, we can never say that the temptation was overwhelming. I couldn't bear it. That is a lie. It has to do with your decision. It has to do with your choice. And the moment that you choose God's way, I'm telling you tonight, his power infuses you that you can stand and do right in the moment of temptation. His power is available. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We have a change of provision. It's no longer me trying, but it's God's power resting and abiding in me that I can live for God and I can overcome and I do not have to go along with the devil and his program. And so I no longer have to look out for myself. God is watching over me. He is looking out for me. He is taking care of me. His power keeps me. He is the one who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It is he, the one, who is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He is the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly, even above all that we ask or think. We're kept by the power of God tonight through faith unto salvation. The rescue of your soul involves a change of provision. You're no long, it's no longer on you, but God empowers and enables. Verse 6 tonight says, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Okay, do you re- greatly rejoicing with me tonight? I'm, I'm greatly rejoicing in God's provision for me tonight. Though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. And that very much describes life on earth. We are in heaviness through manifold temptations. And you know what? Things happen. They give us heaviness. Okay? There are things like that. Things like that in your home. Things like that in your family. Things like that in your personal life. Things like that in a sister church, as we were talking about in our prayer meeting tonight. Heaviness. You look around, you see, you see a broken world. And that can cause a lot of heaviness. We have many tests and many trials, temptations. But it talks here about a change of disposition, okay? A change of disposition. It says that we greatly rejoice. Is that the, is that the atmosphere and the attitude of the world around you? Is the world around you greatly rejoicing? Well, they put on a good face. They make it look like they're having a good time. Everybody who smokes cigarettes is just having a wonderful time. They're having the time of their life. Okay? The people that are drinking alcohol, they're, they're just having the time of their life. Oh, they, they, there's nothing happier than that. They put on a good face. But you know what? It is so, it is all lies. And it is all empty. And it is, it is just basically all to sell products to make money. The world does not have Anything to rejoice in. It's just plain and simple. The world has nothing to rejoice in. Um, we, have, uh, 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 we have a man who wanted to be president. You think he's happy there? What do you think? 
Um, a man with lots of money, lots of power. Everybody knows him. Do you think he's happy there? Doesn't look like it. He's a pretty surly kind of guy, you know. Doesn't look like he's very happy there. And, you know, the truth is, it's all kind of pie in the sky. I mean, pie is good, but it doesn't belong in the sky. But, but you know, it's all like just fluffy, cloudy stuff. They're, the world is rejoicing in these things, but there's really nothing there. It's really empty. It's really a big zero. But here, when we have been rescued, and we think about the promises of God, and we think about the provisions of God, we think about the future that God has for us, it's like, if you focus on those things, guess what's going to happen? You're going to greatly rejoice. You focus on the provisions of God and the rescue of your soul and what that really means. How can you do anything but greatly rejoice and say, praise God, hallelujah. Look what God has done for me. So we greatly rejoice tonight because we have a reason to rejoice. Yes, it says here life is hard in this verse. Burdens come hard to bear. Our loved ones die. We suffer in a fallen world. Genetic problems in children. Diseases. But our hope is beyond. Our hope is beyond. And brothers and sisters, a few short days. And all that's happening here in a few short days will just be a foggy, fading memory as we enjoy the glory of forever. We can smile through our tears and we can move ahead because we greatly rejoice in God's salvation. So the rescue of your soul tonight involves a change in your disposition. Okay? You can go through this world with a smile on your face because you know God and he will make all things right. Verse 7 says, The trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So here we have a change of purpose. A change of purpose. The trial of your faith. Why would anybody go through a trial of their faith? You look at the world around you, the world around you would look at you and say, well, if you're willing to go through a trial of your faith, then why would you ever have faith if it causes a trial? I mean, they're looking for the path of least resistance in life. They're looking for the easiest way out. And you know what? Serving Jesus is not the easiest way out. There's, there's trials of your faith. In fact, there are places in the world where people are, are persecuted they're, they're torn from their families. They're thrown into prisons. They're tortured. Why would anybody go through that? But he says, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. It says that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So we have a change of purpose. No longer am I living for ease and pleasure. Did you hear me tonight? No longer am I living for ease and pleasure and the path of least resistance, I have a higher purpose. And part of your rescue tonight, when the Lord rescued you, he gave you a higher purpose than just living for yourself. I'm willing to suffer for this purpose. 
The praise and honor of my Savior is more important to me than my own comfort. Is that true of you tonight? The praise and glory of my Savior is more important to me than my own comfort. It needs to be that way. It needs to be that way. Three overcoming virtues are shared with us in Revelation 12, 11. If we have a trial of our faith, if we are put to the test, how are we going to overcome? Maybe you know what they are already, but one of them is the blood of the Lamb. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And I think the third one is actually the most important. They loved not their lives. Tonight, if you love your life, you'll probably compromise when the test is on. But if you love not your life, and you say, you know what, I'm willing to die. I'd rather die than compromise. They love not their lives. That is actually probably your most powerful tool in overcoming the tests and the temptations of giving up one's faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live, that's us here tonight, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And so tonight, we have a change of purpose in our rescue. And our great purpose is to live to and for the one who died for us. That is our great purpose. And so tonight, your great purpose, I'm not sure what I should and shouldn't say. You know, it's easy for us to get our focus, our purpose, foggy in our minds. We live in America. We live in prosperity. We live in a place where we can have a lot. But is that our purpose? Our purpose is to live unto the one who died for us. That is our purpose. And so in our life, in our business, in our goings to and fro and doing what we have to do, do we have that focus? Do we have that purpose? My purpose is to live unto the one who died for me and rose again. It's not about me. It's not about getting what I want. It's not about living the life I want to live. It's about him part of the rescue. The rescue of your soul calls for a purpose. Your purpose is him, not you. Verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen, ye love. Okay, I hope that's true of you tonight. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing... You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So we have a change of love, a change of love tonight. We love and adore someone who is unseen. And I don't know, that's not easy to do, okay? You can embrace your wife and you can embrace your children 
And you can love them because here they are. You know, it's easy to love these, these people are right here. Sometimes it's not easy to love them. But uh, here they are. There's a lot of people in this world, by the way, that are very hard to love. A lot of people like that. They're people we see. I see, I see people at times that, oh boy, I just, you know, I'd rather not, you know. I have, a, I have a very detestable person in my life, okay? It's not my wife. It's not any of my children, okay? I still don't get any ideas. But there's this man that we relate to, and we relate to him only out of compassion. But we actually go to have dinner with him once a month at his house. And it is detestable. It stinks. It's rotten stuff all over this house. He goes to the he goes to the the fruit and vegetable markets and he gets all of the boxes of there's about one percent decent food in those boxes, okay? The rest of it is garbage. He's got this stuff in his house. And he's just a detestable person. But every time we leave, guess what he wants to do? He wants to give me a hug every time we leave. Thank you for coming. You know. Okay. Okay. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. I don't know, but you know, I don't mind hugging people. I really don't. In fact, a brother just said that tonight. Oh, so you're the kind of guy that likes to hug? Yes, I am. I like to hug people. Okay. It's a way of showing love to them. But that is one man. Got a hard time loving that man. But we're talking about loving one who is unseen. Now, how do you love the one who's unseen? You know? You don't see him. How do we love him? We're supposed to love the one who's unseen. Well, the world around us can't possibly understand because they live in a completely materialistic society. They live where the only things that matter are the things that you actually can, that you can see, the things you can hear, the things you can feel with your hands, the things you can handle, those are the things you love because they're actually here. And they look at people like us who walk around saying, I love him. I love him. Jesus, I love him. And they look at you and say, you're crazy, man. How can you love something you don't see? Do you ever think about it? It does look a little crazy, okay? But... It is undeniable, it is undeniable this evening that the people of God love Jesus Christ, and he's unseen. I'm willing to lay down my life tonight for one I can't see, and you need to be willing to lay down your life tonight for one you can't see, and anybody who would look at you in this materialistic world and say that you're willing to lay down your life for somebody you can't even see, that looks totally crazy. But we're willing because we have faith and we believe in the one we can't see. And not only that, we believe that he went to a cross and died for us. And not only that, but the thing that he did there had an an amazing and total effect on me. It has changed my life totally and completely. And the one who is unseen has come into my life and changed me radically. I'm willing to lay down my life for him. Because I love the one who's unseen. So tonight I want to commend to you that kind of a love for the one who is unseen. 
that no matter what, you continue to love him and you're willing to lay down your life for him. Though he is unseen. And so we have a change of our love. We love the one unseen. The world can't understand. We believe we have experienced his work, his touch upon our lives, and we love him, in fact, more than anything or anyone else. And I want to tell you tonight, I'll tell you one more thing about that. You ready for one more thing? He's worthy of more love than we can even give him. He's worthy of more love than we can even give him. Well, let's go to the last verse we're going to look at this evening. Verse 9. It says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So we have here a change of result. The result is going to be altogether different because you have been rescued. A change of result. Your life is going to have a completely different outcome. A completely different result. A completely different influence and impact because you have been rescued. In the end, you will be saved forever to be with the Lord. By God's grace, there will be others who have been shown the way to God through your influence, your example, and your words. And so this evening, the rescue of your soul is powerful and impacting. And it ought to it ought to be shown in a total change of your life. And we talked about many changes that take place in your life this evening that probably does not even get them all. But I tell you tonight, the rescue of your soul is a powerful experience. Life-changing experience. And we need to be eternally grateful for the work of God in our life. There's a song we used to sing many years ago. The song is a simple one. It says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. And tonight, every one of us was sinking deep in sin. Hopeless, we could not do a thing. God in his mercy reaches out, pulls us out, sets us on a rock, solid foundation, solid footing. And we've been rescued. So tonight, I'm not sure how to end this message, except to go home. Be inspired, be motivated, love Jesus, live for him, make him the center of your life. You've been rescued, and for that, we are eternally grateful, and we love the one who is unseen. Let's all stand together for prayer.